Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White. And today myself and Simon spoke about Manchester United's defeat to Bayern Munich. How long does it have to keep getting worse before it gets better? Ole Gunnar Solskjaer speaks out for the first time since his sacking in 2021. We examine his comments. Almost a year and a half since his last fight, Conor Ben returns to the ring this weekend in Orlando. How should boxing view this latest development? We speak to former super middleweight champion Carl Froch. Plus, we're joined in studio by Deontay Wilder's trainer Malik Scott and CBS host and boxing broadcaster Kate Abdo. This is Outspoken with Jim White and Simon Jordan. Simon, I watched it last night. It could have been any score yeah, at the end, too. couldn't it? Manchester yeah. United lose 4-3 in Munich. Uh, Arsenal, meantime, return to Champions League football in style, albeit PSV, no world beaters, but they still thumped them four still goals to nil. Uh, Ten Hag, uh, post-match, and he was right, because basically, if you score three in the Allianz Arena, you would almost expect to have won the thing, but on this occasion, they didn't. This was him. Disappointed. When you score three goals in Munich, at least you have to take a point. And, but we didn't, and therefore we have to look in the mirror. But uh, yeah, the goals were easy giveaways. In the first 25 minutes, I think we were better in the game as Munich. And then that goal that was such easy, but it was not only André. If you see how easy Sané is coming through, and that has to do with, with determination. And you don't let play so easy through. And that's the point we have to, uh, to cross the line uh, as individual and as a team uh, to win games. Uh, because it started there. I mean, I'm not sure that what he says is getting through. I'm not sure if the players are getting the memo, to be honest. Uh, was this a night, Simon, where levels came to the fore or was this the most one-sided 4-3 match you'll ever see? Both. Mm. Absolutely both. I mean, you, you, Bayern Munich are a far more competent, better organised, better structured team with a better group of individuals and a better collective um, than Manchester United currently are. I mean, I watched the game. The, the first half was slightly more balanced and obviously if a goalkeeper throws one in, it doesn't help you. 
and the goalkeeper was the first one to come out and suggest that the the, the, the byproduct of his uh, uh, mistake was the downfall of the team. But to me, it looked as if it was like a pity date. You know, you're going out with someone because you feel sorry for them. And in this instance, every every time United, every time Bayern Munich went in front, and they gave Bayern, they got bored almost. I know this is a ridiculous analysis, but it almost as if they turned off. United scored, made it look like it was more of a game. Went up the field, scored another goal. Got bored again. United got back in the game. Got up the field, scored another goal. Yeah. And if, at four three, I would, I, I, if there was another ten minutes, I would have wagered you that Bayern would have gone and scored a fifth. Yes. And then United might have yeah. got, got a fourth, and Bayern would have gone and scored a sixth. I think there was on. there was a miles difference. It flatters. United. Hmm. The, the score 4-3 looks like what a game that must have been and how much Man United must have been in that game. But there were passages of time when they were nowhere near it and Bayern were cutting through them like you know a knife through butter. Yeah. With ease. Yeah. Paul Scholes said it I think Simon and you're saying virtually the same thing. There is a weakness to them. Yeah I agree. There's a soft underbelly and they seem to collapse a bit when things are going wrong. He's right. He's right about that. A soft underbelly. Well <laughs> there are uh, players that aren't in, in the side you know defensively they're a little bit out of sorts because they've got a makeshift back four that's been put together debilitated by injuries but in my view and I, and I don't care if people think this is an agenda or a focus I don't think Fernandes is a particularly great captain I think he's a great player I think in, in a, he's one of those flat track bullies that when your team's on top he's a great player he'd be one of those that will always be there when it comes to adversity you look round and I wouldn't want him in the trenches with me and the culture still of Manchester United is still way off it's still not right. I'll tell mm. you who was good. I thought it was really good, and I give loads of criticism to all the time. Was Martial when he came on? He was as sharp as a yeah, tack. Yeah, he looked as if he, he looked lively, to be really involved, lively. big time. But they're not. They're they're a mile off. They're a country mile off. There doesn't seem to be the desire to do the things that are the basic fundamentals of a team. If you're not good enough to be able to match sides technically or or, or as a collective, the one thing you can do is put your body in the way of everything and make yeah. sure that you're closing the ball down. There's a desire to make it ugly and difficult, and they don't even have that characteristic. They don't have that either. Why is it with Manchester United at the moment, Simon, it's three steps forward, two back? Why is it things have got to get worse before they get better? Well, sometimes that is the case, isn't it? I mean, the article that I've written about Tottenham saying that in order for them to see some light, they perhaps had to have the ultimate darkness in Conti and his assassination of the entire club so that you can see the light shining through when someone comes on and is positive. And maybe United have got to go to that particular... But it's still the culture of this football club. It's still the attitude. I know there's a reason behind this bite back from Jadon Sancho, but the culture in United is embodied by Sancho, feeling he has the right to challenge the manager. Yeah. Feeling that he has his impression of his training regime is more prevalent than the manager's. And all of that culture, mm. all of that is, in, you know, indicative of why United continue to struggle. I don't suspect that United won't get out of this group. I don't suspect that United won't do a decent performance in the league, but w what we're asking for from Man United, and so far as you are asking anything, is the expectation in our rearview mirror of things gone in the past that United were a formidable side. Now they're a competitive side in the Premier League. They're not a formidable side. Right. And I don't right. know whether Ten Hag, and I've never known, and I've bent and breezed a little bit because you do, because that's the nature of seeing results go a different way. You can't just be King Canute and say, well, he's still a small man in a big suit because they finished third in the league and they win the League Cup. But the point is, this side is not getting any closer to regaining any of the, the pomp 
yeah. and ceremony that Manchester United once had. Sure thing. Um, uh, Charlotte, we'll talk more on United regards Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's take on his days there in the interview he did with The Athletic. Some very revealing things there, not least uh, that he wanted Erling Haaland and it didn't go for him. Uh, that is actually something that Cavi Solikow mentions in the book he and I have done. Arsenal, Manchester United. How has one club managed to get things so right in the end? Arsenal. And the other has managed to get things so wrong, Simon. I mean, do Arsenal kill the best in class argument? Arteta and Edu are in there. Ten Hag and Richard Arnold. I mean, where are you at with all this this morning? Because Arsenal seem to be doing no wrong right now. Uh, Arsenal have won one FA Cup. You know, United have won things. They've won miles ahead, Simon. They're title challengers. They they are. And yeah, they finished second and Man United finished third last year. And second and third is first and second loser. Right, let's have it right. I mean, great, and it looks on paper, there's huge progress, but because we're coming from a position with Arsenal where their deterioration was at a point where their coaches were being ridiculed, their players were being booed and and castigated, and the whole place was falling apart, and the most prevalent thing about Arsenal was that ghastly hobgobbling of a TV station, AFTV, were getting more profile than anybody else. So that was what Arsenal were coming from. So now you're in a situation where Arsenal have got their act together. The problem with United is it fits and starts. Four or five years ago, we got... Mourinho doing a double. Mm. He wins a European competition and oh, a domestic yeah, competition. Oh, come on, no, come no, no, on. No, but they did. Come on. They did. Arsenal have taken a... strides. They both come from having legacy managers in Ferguson and Wenger. And Correct. Arsenal are the ones who are bursting Correct. forward. But Arsenal haven't won a Premier League in 20 years. So we do have to compare like with like. United haven't won a Premier League United in 10 years. United haven't won in 10, well, in 10 yeah. years. So, that, so, so at this moment in time, um, Arsenal appear to have the zeitgeist mm. on how to make things look better and how to perform better, but they're still not winning things. No, but Simon, you would concede they're on different trajectories. Yes, I think. As oh, absolutely. Stand. I think there's lots more about Arsenal, which is far more compelling. I was there last year watching that game when they played Man City. I saw the coherence of the fan base with the manager, the energy of the players, the belief system that was being installed, and then I see him choke. Yeah, at the back end of last, uh, back end of last season. Yeah, you know, I saw them choke. Sorry, Luke, as an Arsenal fan, I saw them choke the previous year where mm. they didn't get inside the top four. So when it comes to the big decisions, you need to get in the top four. Oh, hang on a second, we'll let our biggest rivals sneak in the back door, even with the divisive Conte. The following season, we'll set a march and we'll be all all consuming in people's minds about winning the league. Or when it comes down to it, we'll choke against Southampton and West Ham and whoever else we played. Yeah. So there's still lots of questions to be answered. But in in, in condition-wise, in terms of the narrative around uh, around Arsenal in comparison to Man United, they're miles apart. Yeah. Arsenal feels like a cohesive, forward-thinking, progressive football club, and Man United feels like a basket case of problems. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now, imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Brand Sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Brand Sheets get softer with every wash. 
They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code BUTTERY. So head to bollandbranch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been speaking for the first time since uh, his Manchester United sacking back in 2021. Oh. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and I know you got your own views of Ole, not so much Ole the player, but more Ole the manager. More specifically, Ole the Manchester United manager. And yet when you think of it, when you think of it, when Manchester United and Ole were reunited, this seemed like a marriage made in heaven. You know, as a player, I... I, I... I gave everything I had uh, and now walking out, leading the team, just being part of this team because that's, that's what I am. I'm part of uh, a huge team. We're playing for the supporters, we're play, playing for our pride, we're playing for uh, the club's uh, history. Uh, but to be honest, it's going to be very, very special, uh, I have to say. I, I'm good at controlling the emotions, so I won't be that emotional. but. When I came back with Cardiff a few years ago in 2014, it was a strange, strange feeling. One of the most surrealistic feelings I've had uh, being on the other side. Now I'm on the right side uh, and I'm, I can't wait for it. So he was already, uh, and he, he was thoroughly looking forward to what lay ahead. controlling his emotions. With... I suppose he had plenty of practice on a bench for most of his career. Right, well, listen to this, though. I mean, what Ole wanted to do and what he ended up doing were two totally different things. Because in this interview with The Athletic, on field transfers, and we mentioned this, Cavi mentions this in the book, it yeah. comes out next month, but enough plugs of that. We couldn't buy the players I mentioned to the club. Erling Haaland before he made his Salzburg debut Declan Rice who wouldn't have cost what he did in the summer we discussed Moises Caicedo but we felt we needed players ready for the there and then we wanted Bellingham badly he's a Manchester United player but I respect that he chose Borussia Dortmund on and on it goes he says I would have signed Kane every day of the week and my understanding (laughs) it wasn't for sale then was he my understanding was that he wanted to come to say but the club didn't have the budget with the financial constraints from COVID and there was no bottomless pit. Mm. It, honestly, uh, when when you hear that, in spite of his best intentions, it was United who put out the big stop right there, Ollie. That's as far as you go with those names and no further. So, well, it, I, I, it, I, top I, of the house, it was the Glazers, no doubt, who were saying, no, uh, not on this occasion, Ollie. Not him, him, him or him. For, for, from his version of events. Who signed Jadon Sancho? Oli. Mm. Mm. £75 million player. So we are suggesting that they... You're judging him in one bad signing? No, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that if I actually bothered to look underneath the bonnet and see how many players he signed to see how many of them been massively successful, then we'd have a different discussion. If indeed this version of events, which his, is his version of events... Why would you doubt that? Well, because it's unchallenged and it paints him in the best possible light and he's popping his head above the parapet because there's a reason for it now. I don't know what that reason might be. He wants he's to get going to see if it's not true. Well, Why oh, would he? oh really? And incidentally, oh, okay. you don't challenge the glaze as much. We don't spend our time debunking some of the nonsense that goes out there on a daily basis from self-serving people trying to advance themselves. Of course, there may well be an alternate side to this. I'm not defending the Glazers. If they've missed the opportunity to sign Erdin Haaland and Declan Rice and Moises Cachado because of the brilliant scouting network that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer put in place and the insight and the foresight that he would have had then 
terrible upon them. Can you imagine I, I, if United had got Haaland in the door before he went to Salzburg? Yeah, can you imagine? Can you imagine if they got Can Declan? you imagine what the cost implications of Erling Haaland would have been at that time? Uh, as opposed to the 50-odd million quid that Man City paid, a fraction of that, and the ramifications of that decision-making process for Manchester United, that he had so little sway, so little cachet, so little influence over people that he probably couldn't get 20, 30 million pound transfers done for a club that frequently spends inordinate amounts of money, has proven to spend inordinate amounts of money, has spent more money than anybody else in the world football in the last 10 years, yet he couldn't sell it to him. So rather than say to people, look at the players that have now arrived, look at the visions that have arrived, because I'm going to index myself to them to show you how much foresight I had, you might want to ask yourself why you had the inability to sell it to those that had the authority to sanction these kind of transactions. But Maybe it's because they didn't have enough faith in you. Maybe it's because really when it comes down to it, you weren't that much of a manager in terms of the ability to be able to attach gravitas and cachet to your opinion. But have you not? Laid at the feet of Ole, the the demise of standards within I do, the yeah. football club. I and do. He was there. Not just him. He's. I mean, ultimately, those are. Yeah, what about the players? Well, of course. But who, who, team who seem to down tools. Team reflects leadership. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Jean Joyce, the rematch, live and exclusive, 7 o'clock this Saturday, right here on the TalkSport Network. Let's get more on it, Simon. You know this fella. I know him as well. Former super middleweight champion Carl Frotch joins us live. Carl, good morning to you. What do you expect to see? What do you hope to see on Saturday night, Carl? I expect to see another another great fight between two guys that are in there to win. They both come in with a um, full mindset of champions. and both both want to achieve Greatness in the in the sport. They're both very old. They're both getting on. I mean, is Zhang forty one and Joyce is thirty nine? So it sounds strange that they've got world title ambitions, but <laughs> but they have and they want to challenge the best in the division. But this fight's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough one for Joe Joyce to turn around. I think he needs to reinvent the wheel. He needs to start moving his head off the centre. He needs to roll and dip, and he needs to start boxing a little bit. And he's never done that. He's never shown that in his career. Obviously, he boxes and moves a bit, but he, his main attribute is coming forward, being super fit and strong and being unbreakable. And Zhang broke him, closed that eye and forced that stoppage. So you have to say, if Joyce didn't get injured, what would have happened? Who knows? But this is a great fight and it's a tough one. And if you're going to ask me to pick a winner, I'm not going to give you an answer just yet. <laughs> okay. Were you surprised, Carl? Because <laughs> I, I was surprised in the first fight. I was surprised at how light Joe Joyce came in. He came in a stone and a half lighter than he fought Joseph Parker, where he was very impressive in. And I was surprised by... Um, how quick Zhang's hands were and how slow. I know Joe is what he is, but how slow Joe was made to look. Were you surprised by that evening? I was surprised that he came in lighter and he was slower. It, it doesn't make any sense. Mm. Usually you take, you take a bit of weight off and you, you gain some speed because of that. But but I just thought that Zhang was timing him nicely with that backhand, walking him into it, picking him off, picking him with a jab and then timing him with that, that, that backhand and it landed and cause the damage on the eye. And you, you want Joe Joyce to be able to just get his head off the centre, maybe get his guard up, block a few shots, roll and slip a few shots. But he just doesn't do any of that. He no. hasn't got it in his arsenal. And I don't. you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And what is he, 39 years old? 38. He's not going to change. Yeah, 38. 38. So, so yeah. he's not going to change, is he? He's, he's, he's going to come and do what he does and just hope that his fitness and his strength is enough to win. But... Zhang, I feel, has got his number, and if I if I do have to pick a winner, I was going to say, don't I fanny think, about. You must have an opinion. <laughs> listen, the the book is the bookies aren't usually that wrong, are they? I mean, they, they got it wrong with the Liam Smith. And mind you saying that, did they have Chris Eubank to win that fight with Smith? No, they had Smith. Sure what they, are. they had Smith. They had Smith to win, so mm. they, they do get it wrong. But I just think that Zhang's the favourite, um, only ever so slightly. 
Do you, I mean, do you think... I mean, Joe made a lot, and it's you will recognise this trait because of the nature of the way, the way you thought. You were a much more skilled practitioner. But his toughness was the big thing that Joe made a lot of noise about first time round, and he bought into a lot of the nonsense about the fact he could take any kind of shots. I mean, do you think with this additional weight that he puts on, that's going to be able to increase significantly the punch resistance? Because he's still going to get hit, isn't he? Because of the very nature of the way that he fights. No, exactly, yeah. Well, it's not going to stop the injury, is it? It's not going to stop the iPhone swelling, especially no. an old arm that's, that's been damaged once before can can reoccur. Even a cut can reopen or a, a fractured eye socket can 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 swell up and any real damaged closed eye, which he was, it was quite a bad... It, I don't think it was just a superficial injury. It was no, quite it was a bad pole. swelling. Yeah, it was big, yeah. So there's always a danger of that reoccurring. We saw that with Chris Eubank against um, Carl Thompson as well. We saw his eye, the, the eye injury that he had reoccurred and there's always a danger of that. And you know Zhang will be targeting that so it's, if I was advising Joe Joyce, it's really difficult to kind of give an answer and say, this is what you should do. I do, I do like it that he's coming in a little bit heavier because the punts absorb, absorption, yes. Yeah. And well, as he's pushing forward and leaning on Zhang, and Zhang does blow a gasket after five, six rounds. He just starts to slow down. He just starts to feel that age is 41 years old. So, so he's got to keep out of the way then, hasn't he? Not get hit early on, make Zhang work, but to, to make him work and not get hit early on, he's going to have to defend himself. And he's, he's, he's got no defence, he's got no head movement. So if he's walking into shots, I feel like the writing's on the wall for Joe Joyce. And this, this is a must-win fight for him as well. Mm. This is a fight he's got to win, otherwise where does he go? Back-to-back mm. defeats against Zhang. But, yeah, but it's, it sounds, Carlos, as if, as if you're, you're favouring Zhang to win it. Yeah, listen. If I was lumping a bet on it, I'd say I'd say Zhang's the smart money. Um, but it's a two-horse race; anything can happen. And Joe Joyce would have learned from that. It, it, it was devastated from the loss. He didn't make a big song and dance about it, but you know, you know, deep down, he's got world title ambitions, and he wants to be in the mix and start earning big money before he retires. So he's going to come and do everything he can to get this win and really leave it all in there. But Zhang, Zhang's waiting for him, and he's, he's very capable. He's a good fighter, Zhang. Um, Carl Connor Ben. Uh, returns mm. on Saturday night. Uh, he's going to fight in Orlando, Florida against uh, Orozco, uh, this Mexican individual. Um, in your view, and the significant aspect of this, Carl, after everything that's happened, it's not here in the UK, it's over in the US. In your view, should he be fighting at all? Um, well, listen, if I was managing him and if I was training him, I'd, I'd want him busy and I'd want him out there training and um, fighting. I want him fighting and competing because he needs to. It's been 18 months. It's too long. He needs to be out there. So, And because I want him to see back in action and want him to see him in meaningful fights moving forward, then yes, I do think he should be fighting. But I can see the flip side of that, which I know you're going to pull me up on. He's been banned by the British Boxing Motor Control or UCAD. He's failed a drug test. And the integrity of the sport will be in question because of him fighting. So it's a bit of a catch-22, really. And in what direction do you go then? Personally, and I know that you're a, you're a great exponent for your own sport. Uh, you want the standards to be as high as they possibly can be. You want rules to be observed. I'm sure you do, Carl. In your view, I'm should he be fighting? Listen, absolutely. Well, if he's legitimately and legally allowed to fight and he's, he's been licensed in the state of, um, is it Florida, is fighting, yeah, then, yeah. Then, then he should be fighting. But what he does need to do almost immediately after having this fight, which is just a tune-up fight, he's fighting someone who's ranked. I mean, it's not even worth mentioning his ranking. This guy can't lace Conor Ben's boots. It's just to keep him busy. It'll be like a one or two round sparring session. Um, but when he comes back from this fight, I'd like to see him sit in front of the British Boxing Board of Control and get this issue resolved. And then... I'll be smiling, I'll be happy. Otherwise, 
then I'll be very disappointed with him. I mean, you, you, I mean, you have strong views on lots of things, Carl. You must have. I know you. I know what you just said there, which is you'd like to see him sit in front of you, Kev. But you must have strong views about this because ultimately, what we've got is a situation where. No one wants to vilify Conor Ben. And whether myself and Eddie Hearn get on is an incidental, but I think the actual issues of the way he's been handled and the fact that he's got himself out from underneath solely on a jurisdiction issue brings a sport that you have a great deal of regard for, has made you a Hall of Famer with your talent, of course, into a disrepute. He really must, Carl, mustn't he? He really must go and clear his name rather than find a way to get round it. I think he has to, yes. I mean, because he's early on in his career and we want to see him build in Britain as a British fighter, I think he has to go in front of the board and clear his name and, um, you know, then move on with his career. But Tyson Fury's not got a British boxing border control licence, but he's that's the argument that I've been seeing on some of the comments that will be coming after different, this. Different sets of he's a world. Come. But yeah, he's a world champion and he fights a lot overseas. And he, he, kind he of served a band car, though, didn't he? Whether it was a ridiculous did, yeah. band during his... Whether it was one of those ridiculous bands when he actually wasn't fighting, but he still got sanctioned, didn't he? He did, yeah. And this is why I just think Conor Ben needs to get on with it because he's wasting time and his career's at stake now. He needs to be moving on. And these bands, I mean, some of the bands, I don't think they're, I don't think they're heavy enough. I'm not saying punish Conor Ben more, but Tyson Fury served a band when he was already not yeah. fighting because he fights once or twice a year. Canelo Alvarez, the six-month ban for a failed contaminated drugs test. Povetkin. Um, Povetkin. I mean, the list goes on and yeah. on over the yeah. years. Roy Jones Jr. There's, there's top fighters over the years that have failed drugs test and then how good do you think he is, Carl? How good do you think Conor, how, how how good do you think Conor Benno is? Do you think he's a potential uh, world title winner? Listen, I, I love his, his, his fight against Chris Algier. I know I know Algier was past his best and 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 whatever. But I was with I was with Algier when um, Canelo Alvarez fought. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders, yeah. and he was in the gym and he was training hard. He was running in the morning because he was he was getting himself ready. He was still in the mix, still fighting. All right, it was at the end of his career. But Conor Ben wiped him out, obliterated yeah. him. Yeah. He's aggressive. He's, he's a really exciting prospect. He's good to watch. He's, there's not many fighters now that walk to the ring and make the back of your hairs on your neck mm. stand up. Yeah. And Conor Ben's not got that name and he's got that He's got that mindset and that attitude where when he gets in the ring, you know he goes in there to, to destroy, destroy his opponent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's exciting to see and you want to watch him do well. So I think he's a great prospect. I think he's a fantastic talent. I know he didn't have a big amateur career, but I think he could do very well as a professional. But he has to get this dark cloud above, away from his head yeah. and move more, on with his career. And he's only, he's only going to do that by going in front of the border control. More importantly, Carl, how's your paddle game? <laughs> hey, still running those checks you can't cash listen I was going to say don't worry about the paddle don't worry about it start, you need to start worrying because... mm, I'll see you on Saturday we'll have that conversation yeah. Carl you'll be it's concentrating on your co-commentary game on Saturday night Carl Froch with us and Carl on duty for TalkSport on Saturday night because while Ben is fighting in Orlando, Florida Zilai Zhang goes in again against Joe Joyce the rematch live and exclusive from 7 o'clock this Saturday right here on the TalkSport Network the world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Welcome along, everybody. We're talking boxing this hour, as we always do on a Thursday, but this one is a whole lot different. No Spencer Oliver, Simon. We've dispensed with him Good. this week, quite rightly. <laughs> He's an irritant. We're, we're on with people who know about this sport. That is for sure. Malik Scott is with us, the man who, of course, coaches Deontay Wilder, that amongst uh, many other things, mm -hmm. and uh, boxing presenter, football presenter, 
not only in the States, but over here as well. Kate Abdo, yes. one-time colleague of myself. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. And the messages, I have to say, are flying in. What a legend Malik Scott is. Likeable, knowledgeable, able to accept uh, others' point of view as well. Uh, providing great logic and rationale about his sport. And that's just from Simon, which was lovely. <laughs> that's, that's one of many listeners getting in touch uh, this lunchtime. And we are delighted to have you on board here at uh, TalkSport. Remind us, and we want to give it another plug, you're here because you're with another fighter who is a YouTuber, but that's yes. by the by. You're you're, yeah. you're 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 representing this guy. You're you're coaching him. Mm-hmm. Where and when do we see him? Uh, he fights Saturday on his own uh, Misfit series. His name is Tommy Oliveira, aka known as Temper, and um, he's going to look good Saturday. And I've been I've been working with the kid. He lost to KSI, and ever since he lost to KSI, I've been training him, and um, he's okay. been developing. Also on uh, Saturday night here at Wembley Arena, you and I are going to go to this, are we not? Indeed. Uh, Joe Joyce, live in Talk Sport, uh, Joe Joyce ag- against uh, Zhilai Zhang, yes. who is a giant of a man. Mm-hmm. And I, I just personally love saying his name, Zhilai Zhang. Yes. And I've said it again, it's probably nowhere near uh, how it should be pronounced. <laughs> what do you think of Joe Joyce? I mean, he's going to try and right a wrong mm-hmm. because he came out with a defeat the last time. Yeah, yeah. What do you see happening this time, Ali? Uh, he's in a very, to me, it's, it's an uphill battle for him right now. And the reason that it is is two reasons. Because, one, he has been glorified for having a good chin. And to me, fighters that get glorified for having a good chin, they start believing in the hype. And that becomes, like, well, I have a good chin, so that means I can take it. Yeah, but that runs out. You may have a good chin for five fights, ten fights. But the higher level you go up to, that chin, you could say, runs out because someone will hit you. Can I give you a prime example of what I mean by this real quick? Sure. Chris Ariola had one of the best chins to me in the history of the sport. I've seen Chris Ariola get hit with everything. After he fought Vitaly Klitschko, his punch intake went down. In his very next fight or two fight, he got knocked down by was it Travis Kaufman, someone that's not even a real puncher. And what that was, that that didn't give credit to Travis Kaufman as a puncher. That gave the reality of that just taking punches or having a good chin, it runs out. And I'm out you know, I love Joe Joyce. I work with him a lot, one-on-one, tons of rounds of sparring. I want the best for him. But he, he's in an uphill battle because, to me, he never was really taught defense for the highest level. And uh, he's in with someone that comes from a very good teaching. Sean George is Jang's trainer. He comes up in the amateurs with me. This guy's a very good teacher. And Jang is very dangerous, very dangerous. He's a southpaw. He's big. He's imposing. He believes now. So, you know, if I, if I was a betting man right now, my heart would be with Joe Joyce, but my money would be with Jang. Wow. And I think a lot of people in the boxing world think that well, as well. Carl Certainly said. not as qualified yeah. an opinion as we've just heard. Well, that's but, what Carl Foch said this morning. Yeah. I mean, obviously, and I, we, we, the big thing about Joe leading up to the first fight was you're precisely right. That was mm-hmm. his big noise. I can take what everyone throws at me. And I don't think that's commendable. To, I don't think that's commendable. No, that's not either. a compliment. Yeah. And, 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 and I think he bought into it. This time, of course, he was a stone and a half lighter last time and I, I don't yeah. quite understand why he was slower but that's a different discussion I don't know I think it's a difficult fight for mm. Joe I, I think if he can keep out of range for five or six rounds Zhang will guess because I don't think Zhang has got the engine that Joe Joyce has the difficulty for Joe Joyce is can he keep out of range the difficulties that Joe Joyce could have made him believe I don't think he made him just depends I think like uh, in this heavyweight division you have to sit on punches you have to get some respect even if you're not a puncher I don't think Zhang really 
thinks a big deal of Joe Joyce after that first fight. So that, that could work in two ways. Mm -hmm. That means he could walk into something big early and Joe could get him out of there, or it could be a very, very long night for Joe and worse than the last night that he had with him. Kate, just a few weeks ago, Daniel Dubois, uh, his coach was in here, sitting in the very chair that Malik is sitting in now. That's it, Don uh, Charles. Don Charles, Charles, Don Charles. He was terrific, as are you today, may yeah. I add. But Don was saying, my guy, Kate, Daniel Dubois, he could write the headlines here. He's mm. going over to Poland not to make up the numbers. He's going to win. He's yeah. going to beat you, say. Uh, Kate, we were amazed. There was so much controversy after that fight, of course, with um, Yusik going down with the, the low blow. Mm. What was your perception of that? And over in the States, how, how was that? You were watching that fight too. I, remember you I was watching, watching that fight, yep. yeah. I, I mean, I think there was a lot of talk. It was probably 50-50, was it, in terms of who thought it was a low blow? And mm -hmm. I can't remember what you thought. You thought it was a low blow or not? I thought, I thought it was medium. Medium I, low. Yeah, I thought it was medium low. <laughs> For me, to take the long break that it took, I didn't think it was that low. I didn't think, how long was the break, Simon? Three, hours, three minutes, 46. I didn't think it was that type of low. But anytime Usyk has been hurt, really hurt, has been to the body, in training camps, in fights, everybody. His, Malik his, spent his, a lot of time with Usyk in training You know what I mean? Camp. So his, 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 his and system is down. That. And they targeted that. Yes. They all say that. They mm -hmm. make that noise about it. he can't yeah. take it. And you look back at the history of his fights in the fight with Joshua. When Joshua did trouble him, the it fight was, was shot to the body. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I so think what's disappointing to me about that fight was there was potentially a lot of upside for either guy, right? That was the kind of fight that could really have made headlines either for Usyk or for Dubois. And I think we came out of it not really feeling particularly high on the performance that we saw from either, either man, yes. right? Yes. I think, I think there was massive upside for, for Daniel. I think it was a zero-sum game for Usyk because he's the he's got three belts. He's being forced into fight a mandatory that people don't rate. So Usyk um, was was had Do all the people not rate Daniel Dubois? Not at that level. Not no, at that level. not at that level. Uh -uh. I mean, uh, there was two or three years ago when one of the leading boxing writers over here was saying, "Forget about Anthony Joshua. Forget about Tyson Fury. Daniel Dubois Dubai. is the next one." And then the change of direction after the Joe Joyce loss. And the subsequent yeah. diminishing of was him rapid. was rapid. rapid yeah. I mean, da Daniel's only 25. Now, whether he recovers from this and questions that need to be asked, because I said it at the time, and I'm not saying it because he's here. If Deontay Wilder had been on the other side of that ring, irrespective of whether he was waiting for one minute or four minutes, when Usyk was ready to fight and the referee waved it on, Wilder would have come flying across that ring, throwing everything mm -hmm. at Osik to get him out of there. Daniel didn't, and it's I can't understand that. And yeah. I don't. And you look forward to the ninth round, and I'm not suggesting that Daniel swallowed anything, but there was a necessity to bite down on the gum shield, and it felt that he didn't. I felt that he didn't. I think Frank Warren is being diplomatic, but I also think that he had questions about yeah. it. Yes, uh, yes. Mali, Kate, the the same Mr. Simon Jordan has got his own views about, and you, you haven't you haven't missed and hit the wall on this. Tyson Fury going in against Ngannou. What is this to you two? What is this? It's a money grab. Yeah, it's a money grab. It's, it's a money it's, grab. It's pure entertainment. It's pure entertainment. I don't know. A money grab. No more than that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Have you been talking about it a lot, Simon? I have been expressing my dissatisfaction to Frank Warren, nailing his feet to the floor. Beautiful. I want you to make sure, Frank, that we understand that we all understand this is nothing but money. Just money, right? Don't yeah. dress it up. Yeah. Don't, uh, now, now, after this, Frank, <laughs> right, are we done with this nonsense? Can we have your feet to the fire and have a proper yeah, yeah. grown-up fight now? Yeah. We can let you all is get paid. Is that because you want the fight for Undisputed? <laughs> because I want... I, this is a WBC heavyweight champion of the world. Oh, yes. This comes with legacy. This That's comes with heritage. Right? This comes with value. Yeah. Fanning about fighting with... <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Welcome, Get paid right. um, but, but that, uh, as you both said, it, it's just all about money, isn't it? Yes. It's a money grab. Sure. But that, does it do anything for the heavyweight division? Nothing no. at all to me. Nothing at all. It, 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 
you know, it puts me on the side of if we gonna be fear and talking about a money grab, is it anybody that deserve, deserve a money grab more than Tyson Fury? Everybody of his dreams that he ever wanted to beat, he's beat him. Everything he wanted to really achieve in life as far as overcoming demons that he had, he overcame them. So it's almost like, that's it's like Simon said, we'll give you this grab, but can we get back to the real, you know, yeah, because I mean, the headline that you have on the YouTube stream that is Tyson Fury damaging boxing. I think this can be a money grab without this being damaging for Me boxing. Too. I think that both things can exist. Yes. Yeah. Um, incidentally, if Fury Usyk ever fight Malik mm -hmm. and Kate, who yeah. wins it? I always had it a 50 50 fight, but after the seeing Usyk last fight, you got to lean a little bit towards, you know, Fury, I guess. I think Usyk fights big men very well. I think his problems come with guys that's agile, extremely fast. Oh, you know, something like Deontay Wilder. And um, I think he fights big men very, very well. He never fought a big man like Tyson Fury, though. Somebody that's really going to impose, that have the skill set, that knows how to wrestle and clinch. And um, it's a 50-50 fight. He didn't fight, fight Derek Chisora well, though, did he? No, well, not Derek at Chisora's all. Derek not as big, obviously, as Tyson Fury, but Derek Chisora leaned all over him, it, used his weight. And Derek Chisora yeah. is imposing. Yeah. yeah. In, in, in the current landscape, Malik, is Fury the best around? <laughs> oh... He asked Deontay Wilder's coach and trainer. <laughs> yeah. You mean after what I feel about Deontay, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, because I don't consider Fury and you know what I'll consider in Deontay. It's Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, and I put Usyk before Anthony Joshua. And that's if I had to go. Well, down. you have to because Usyk's beaten him twice, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You might want to answer this one, and I'll be brave and ask it. Jim, ask Mally. He might not like it, but I'll do it. I have an unpopular opinion that when Wilder floored Fury and Fury got up, I don't believe Wilder hit Fury completely clean. I think if he'd hit him completely clean, Fury would have been out. Fury been out, spark out. Um, I had uh, uh, before the third fight, uh, somebody that I'm, you know, who say you good friends in boxers named Tony Harrison, uh, former middleweight champion, and mm -hmm. he told me he was like Malik, you know, this fight right here is going to be different because Deontay never hitting with the real shot. And the minute that he said that, I went right to the first fight and looked at if that last right hand and sweeping left hook at the end is not the real shot, I don't know what is. So what I really believed is Deontay decoying Fury and making him forget about the power some way, somehow would be would probably hurt Fury more. Anytime that Deontay hit Fury and Fury went down, the shots was more legitimate than they can be. Mm. Like that's just my opinion. But no, got, that's not an opinion. That's an actual fact. Yeah. That's a fact. And the interesting and, and, the, and the interesting one was that Fury came into the second fight, despite all that power, mm -hmm. with no fear whatsoever. Changed his game plan and, and met your boy right in the middle of the ring. And yeah, went forward. Yeah. yeah, and then right off the rip, he did it the Emmanuel Stewart way. If you look at how Lennox Lewis, when he first got with Emmanuel Stewart, look how he would approach a fight. He would approach a fight by running straight to the center of the ring, being imposing. Vladimir Klitschko got with Emmanuel Stewart. It changed his game. Sugar Hill's the passing of his um, his uncle Emmanuel Stewart. He gave Tyson Fury to gyms, and Tyson Fury used it, and it worked. Yeah, it worked. Mally, we should get you a show of your own and talk sport. Yeah. I, think, I think the world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Conor Ben is back. Not fighting here, Malik. Not yes. fighting in the UK, Kate, as you know, but fighting in Orlando, Florida, because the Florida Commission has said yes to it. And he gets back in the ring this weekend, almost a year and a half on since his last fight. He comes back after all the controversy that has gone before him. Mm. Earlier on this morning, I want you to tune into this. We heard from the General Secretary of the British Boxing Board of Control, Robert Smith. And we said, so Ben's back, but in Orlando. What do you think of that? I'm not surprised. Obviously, 
He's not licensed by the British Boxing Board of Control. I understand he's licensed by a commission in America. They must be satisfied as to everything's in order. I presume they've done their investigations. And if they're happy for him to box, there's, um, you know, it's up to them. From your board's perspective, are you comfortable? He fights in the States. And as a board, have you given him your blessing to do that? Uh, well, the only communication I've had, Jim, is from journalists in Florida and the Florida Commission asking what the situation is, of which I've gone back and said he's not licensed by the Boxing Board of Control. There's an appeal in process, and until that is dealt with, um, we won't be, um, obviously can't give permission for him to box in this country for sure. If they're happy for him to box over there with the investigation they've done, which I don't know what they are, then ultimately it's up to them. That's the trouble with no world governing body, Jim. You know that as well as I do. Kate, I noticed you're listening very closely to that. Mm. You too, Mally. I mean, Kate, you first. Should Ben be fighting at all? I don't know. Boxing is a weird sport, right? There's always mm. somewhere that you can find a loophole that you can be approved yeah. and it can be legitimate. Um, I f should he be fighting at all? I, I don't know. That's difficult for me to say. I think um, the way everything played out was was super disappointing. I, I'm interested to know, is there a timeline for the British Boxing Border Control to, to, to look at this again and to, and to give him They've permission appealed. to fight? What's happened is he has been relicensed, or sorry, taken his suspension off mm. because they got it, they used a jurisdiction issue which said the VADA testing could not be assessed by UCAD. So technically they've got him out from underneath. The British Boxing Border Control said, well, hang on a second, you can't do that. You have to go through our obligation, which is strict liability. You have to account for what's in your body and you haven't done that. So they've appealed that. So they're now waiting for the appeal date to contest the very cleverly constructed arguments put together by Conor Ben's highfalutin mouthpiece. <laughs> I, I'm not saying I, I agree with it or not, but I, I don't I don't think there's anything new in boxing. You will always find fighters who go to a different state to be approved where they can't get approved True. in, it's in a another good point. state. And they will yeah. be approved. Even if he didn't get approved now somewhere else, it eventually... You know, if somewhere. it wasn't Florida, yes. it would yeah. be Texas be or whatever. I mean, who of what, Malik, is the Florida Commission? Uh, they say yes. Here, they say no. Some commissions say yes to almost everything. And, you know, without saying too much, I'm going to say Florida is one of the commissions. Exactly right. I said much. <laughs> it's one of the commissions that says I mean, you yes saw that in Memphis everything. when Tyson fought Lennox Lewis in the yeah. pyramids, which I went to. I the only place part. he could go. Did you fight on that night, did yeah. you? I must have seen you. I was sitting next to LL Cool J in his white spats. Absolutely. Um, and uh, and <laughs> it was a picture a of that. Very, very hot it. night. Yeah. Very, yeah. very hot night. And yeah. the, but the, in yeah. Memphis, they had the ability to be able to give Tyson the license and no one else would give it to him. Yeah. Mm. Once again, that's the South. You can get away with anything mm. down there. Like you could be 25 and 0 and fight somebody 99 and 2. Literally, stuff like that goes on. So, Malik, here comes the big one. Uh, how widespread is doping in your sport? Oof. It's not tough to speak on because, you know, it, it, I don't want to come across like uh, this is a thing that's okay. But I will say this I'll say this about that. This is a usual thing. A lot of it is behind the curtains. And I also believe that. This is the w w the people that get caught in these. It's just their first time getting caught. I don't think I don't believe it's their first time actually doing it. Um, and it's unfortunate that the the price to pay for these things is not. I agree. I I agree with Derek Chisora. I think you get caught with anything, you should have a ten year ban. A ten year ban. I think you should have a ten year ban. And in boxing, that's a lifetime. So that's indirectly saying I think you should be put out of the sport. But then I have a side to me that believe everybody deserves a second chance. But my real irritation with all of this is that in the history of any type of doping and anyone being caught, no one admits and say, yes, it was me, guys. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have did that. I was wrong. Yeah. Everyone is innocent. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think it's a matchroom thing.
Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave a review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.